Support for this episode is brought to you by SipTequila.com. Every month, they're adding more and more incredible brands to their lineup. I was recently on their site and saw that they added Siembra Azul, Insolito, El Tesoro, and very soon, we're going to see El Gran Legado de Vida. So make sure you're on their mailing list so that you can stay up to date with all they have to offer. That's SipTequila.com. Premium brands ship direct to your door. And now, it's time to go back to Mexico on this episode of The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the show. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. This episode's a little different. We're going to take a break from having a brand on the show as I want to give you a recap of my recent trip to Mexico. And and I want to share this story, not to flex, not to brag or anything like that, but to really bring you on this journey. I have a lot of people that want to go to Mexico and I highly encourage that and they haven't had the opportunity to do so. So I just wanted to recap my trip. I had an amazing time. And as I said, if you get an opportunity to go visit these distilleries and and go spend some time in Jalisco and the tequila region, I want to highly encourage you to do that. So about a month or so ago, Jesse Estes from Tequila Ocho, he reached out to me. It was a Friday. He said, I want to run something by you. I'll shoot you a message on Monday. And so to me, that gave me the entire weekend to think about what could it be that he wanted to run by me. Monday came. I was very excited to see what he had in mind. And he sent me a message saying, we want to invite you to come out as a guest of Tequila Ocho for the grand opening of their brand new distillery. They've been working on the brand new distillery. They, they've had parts of it open. They've been doing some production there, but this was all really leading up to this grand opening. I checked my schedule. I checked with my family. I made sure I could take time off from my day job. And I was excited to go back to Mexico, especially as a guest of Tequila Ocho, which is such an amazing brand. Now I wanted to maximize this trip because I, I don't get there as much as I would like to get there. So I did add a day on the front end and on the back end to see some other friends to visit some other distilleries. So this was the trip. I flew in on a Wednesday night. I got there about midnight, which I I usually don't love getting to Mexico that late at night. I was staying at a hotel nearby, the Hangar Inn Select Aeropuerto. There's two different hangar hotels that are are close to the airport. So if you need to stay somewhere close to the airport, I recommend both of those. Uh, This one was pretty close. They're they're very well-priced. And I knew they had a shuttle. So I, I had to figure out getting to the hotel around midnight. And so I got there. I tried to take a shuttle uh, for whatever reason. I wasn't able to connect with them. So I did Uber and Uber is completely safe. I have a lot of people that ask me about traveling to Mexico and Uber is completely safe there. So I was waiting for my Uber driver. Uh, Unfortunately, he was not able to get to where I was. And so he called me and asked if I could, if I could walk around to a, a different area. I didn't know exactly where I needed to go. I was a little hesitant to just start walking away from the airport, but as I was doing that, a car did pull up and and he said my name and I checked the license. So it was completely good to go. So he took me to the hotel. I went to bed. Now, the next day I had my friends, Chad and Christina Allen from Valance, an amazing brand coming out of El Pendillo, now 1579. They picked me up and we were off to Jesus Maria, Rondas area to go to El Pendillo for the day. Now, driving there, I love driving to the Highlands 
area. It will take around two and a half hours or so, depending on traffic. As you get out of Guadalajara, you are going to hit some traffic, and then it eventually opens up as you're driving there. We passed by a NOM 1414, the Vivanco Distillery, and rolled down the window, honked, and yelled out to Sergio. Chad and Christina said that every time they drive by there, they honk and yell out to see if Sergio can hear them. It was fun to drive past that distillery. I wish I had more time to go and hang out with them, uh, but we, we did have a lot to do that day. We got to El Pendillo. It was mid-morning, not too late. Uh, the distillery was busy. I've been there. This was my third time at this distillery, and it was busy. The ovens were going as they were unloading agaves, going on the conveyor belt up to the shredder, going into Felipe Stein, their mechanical tajona. There was a lot going on with fermentation. Distillation was going on, and this was probably the busiest I have seen El Pendillo as they're continuing to try to keep up with the demand as many other brands are. As I walked in, Felipe was behind his desk working hard at the computer. He eventually came out and we got to hang out. But, you know, we we had some time there to, you know, just shoot some content to see what they had going on. I got to spend a little time at Distillation with Chad and Christina and sip some amazing El Pendillo tequila straight from the still. And we did have a reason as to why we were there. Now, I love creating content. And I've had people in the past ask me about single barrels, if I ever do any single barrel picks or anything like that. And up until this point, I haven't. I'm not interested with, you know, partnering with a brand and they just send me some samples and I pick either A, B, or C, and then that's my single barrel pick. And then I get the bottles and, and put an Agave Social Club sticker on it. That to me is not something that I'm interested in. If I'm going to do a single barrel pick, I want it to be all in. I want to tell a story. I want to not just tell a story, but I want to bring you guys, the listeners with me as we do that. So a few months ago, I started talking to Chad and Christina about the opportunity to do a single barrel project with them. They were looking to get some barrels. And as we were talking about the different barrels that they got and what we could do with it. So over the past few months, we had a lot of conversations about these barrels that they were going to get. And and the barrels had arrived. So really my point to go to El Pendillo was to pick my single barrel. I'm excited that as the months go on, we're going to be tasting samples from this barrel. We're going to see, you know, if it's ready to come out, if it needs to hang a little longer, we're, we're going to experiment with this. So what kind of barrel? I picked a Willet X bourbon barrel. I had a few different barrels to choose from. We were sticking our noses in them. We were smelling them. We were looking at the barrels, all the fun stuff to make sure, hey, this is the barrel that I I want. Now, something that's a little different, and this honestly drew me to this barrel, is that this barrel is a level three char, meaning on the inside, there's some good char on this barrel. A lot of the barrels that are at El Pendio are a level one. They are very light. We want that agave to really shine through, but this is a level three. So it's going to have a little more barrel to give. And to me, it was interesting to see how would that play with the Valance water. You know, Valance is equal parts, rainwater, deep well water, and natural spring water. How would that meld with these amazing Highland sweet agaves? We picked this Willet barrel. Chad and Christina brought an actual stencil for Valance. So we got to spray paint the Valance logo on this barrel. They are actually going to make one for Agave Social Club as well, which is pretty exciting. But I just had my stickers, so I put an Agave Social Club sticker on this barrel. So if you go there, you may be able to find this barrel. And look, we don't know what's going to happen. 
We're saying this is a single barrel project. We believe it's going to be a single barrel project. We're going to pull samples at two months and we're going to see how much this barrel gave to this tequila, but we may let it ride a little bit. We may pivot and go, hey, let's go left instead of go right. I'm going to be there throughout this journey documenting this and sharing this with you. And then whenever the time comes that we decide that this is ready, we're going to bottle it. And this is going to be an exclusive pick from the Agave Social Club with the lawns. I think it's going to be 200 to 250 bottles. And I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to, to see this journey and to also taste this tequila. I'm excited to taste it. Again, we don't know what's going to happen with this barrel. So we were there and eventually we made our way to the front entry area. They've got a beautiful table there. We usually end our trip hanging out there, sipping on some delicious tequila. And they decided to bring out the Valon six-year Extra Añejo as well as the G4 Extra Añejo. Both of those brands have recently launched a six-year Extra Añejo. And to sip them side by side, it was a real treat to really pick up the differences there between those those two because they are different. That water composition is different, which plays a large role. Both of them were, were fantastic and a real treat to sip on both of those. And Felipe joined us. He took a little break from work, came out and let me interview him, ask him some more questions. It's always a pleasure to, to spend some time with Felipe. And again, just hanging out with Chad and Christina and the other team members at El Pendillo. What an incredible distillery. So we eventually left. I had a dinner later that night I needed to get to. So we did start to make our way back to Guadalajara as I needed to get back there for an event Thursday night. And I got to my hotel. I was staying at Casa Habita, which was a really cool boutique hotel right in Guadalajara. A lot of times I'm either down in the town of Tequila or I'm up in the Highlands region. Uh, so it's rare that I'm really staying and spending time in Guadalajara unless it's just on the front end or the back end of a trip. And I was at this beautiful hotel as a guest of Tequila Ocho. We had a dinner Thursday night and that's what really kicked off this Ocho celebration. I didn't know who all was going to be there. There are a few other people that I knew were going to be there. Uh, they invited a small handful. And for a few weeks, they were really doing this grand opening celebration, but they ended it with this small group. And for me to be invited, man, what an honor to be able to be a part of this. And it's also exciting to see who else am I going to share these memories with. And, and there's a lot of amazing content creators that are in the tequila space that for the past couple of years, I've been able to speak with uh, via social media or text or Facebook messages, but I was looking forward to, to meeting some of these friends in person. So we go to the rooftop. They've got a great spread of food for us. And this was just everyone starting to arrive. And it was a small group. So who did I get to experience this with? So I'm there. Uh, Jesse Estes was there. And when we finally got to meet in person, he said, I can't believe that this is the first time that we're meeting in person. As we have talked for so long for the past couple of years, he's been on the show twice and he's just such a, a good guy. So it was great to see him. Then Nick, the tequila wanderer, another one of these guys that I have spoken a lot with over the years and to finally meet in person. We had Lucas and his wife, Michelle. Lucas is amazing. He has become a, a very close friend and to meet his wife just makes it even more special. We also had Marielle. Marielle is La Tequilaña on Instagram. She's putting out some amazing content. Her passion for tequila is massive. To meet her and her husband, Elliot. We had Justin, the thirsty whale. Now, Justin is an incredible bartender. 
He has built a massive following on social media of, of creating cocktails from home. And if you do not follow the thirsty whale, I want to encourage you to do that. You probably already do, uh, but his personality, everything in his videos, man, he's a funny guy. And to meet him and his wife, Emily, and for him to be there and, and to be a part of this. And then to round it out was Rob Gerard, the Tequila Collective, another one of these guys that it's got a huge passion for sharing about great quality tequilas. Uh, he was flying in, so he, he met us mid-dinner. So we just had a great dinner right there under the stars, outside, sipping on some tequila ocho, just talking life. We had a 745 lobby call, so we wanted to make sure we were well-rested because the bulk of this event was on Friday. Now, leading up to this, Jesse and Laura from Tequila Ocho were very very intentional about not giving us too much information. They wanted some things to be a surprise. So we really didn't know what we were in for as we were starting this day. So we get in a giant sprinter van, all of us load up and we start heading to Arondas again, about a two, two and a half hour trip. And we pull up to the brand new distillery. This is Tecalera Los Alambicas. This is the new home of Tequila Ocho. Throughout the past year, they've been producing tequila there, but they've been adding on. This really was the grand opening of the rest of the distillery where, man, this is not just a distillery. This is a place where you can come tour. They're eventually going to open up a restaurant. We got to go into that space where that is. They've got a beautiful courtyard where, you know, they have events. There was a wedding happening the next day. They've got a beautiful cantina to honor and celebrate Tomas Estes, La Cantina de Don Tomas. So man, just a really great facility to entertain and to share the story of Tequila Ocho. It was good to see Carlos again. I was with him in New York just a few months ago, but his daughters were there. They're all very involved. His wife came out to lunch. So really to meet the entire family was a treat. But once we got there, we were only there a few minutes and then we headed to the fields and we get to these agave fields and there are five or six hemodors out there just working away. Now, I have not spent much time in the fields with hemodors. I just, all my other trips, I've been in distilleries. I've been out in the fields with master distillers, but not so much while they're harvesting agaves. And to be out there and to hear the blades, to hear them just going through those pankas, that I could have just listened to that all day to hear them sharpening their koas. So hemador, those are the men and women that harvest the agaves. They use a koa, a long wooden handle. It's got a very sharp flat blade on the end of it. They keep it very sharp. Everything is very dangerous out there. The pankas, the leaves are very sharp. You, you do need to be careful, but they were out there working hard. The next time you are sipping tequila, remember the men and women that are making this possible, not just at the distillery, but before that in the fields that are working outside in the sun all day and they make it look easy. So we're out there. Carlos loves sharing. He's an agronomist. He loves being out in the field. So he was telling us all about the agaves, all about the hemidors. And then at some point they said, who wants to harvest your own agave? So, I mean, I wanted to harvest my own agave. So a few of us did. And let me tell you, it is not easy. I was very scared. You know, they kept saying, move your leg. You know, you don't want to cut your toes off, cut your leg off. And they make it look so easy, but it's not. As you put the blade in that pina, you got to then turn the agave so you can get to the other side of the leaves. And then as you get it out, a lot of times it kind of gets stuck in there and you've got to be careful as you bring it out. You don't want to cut yourself. So I did one and I thought I did a decent job. I was very out of breath. And Carlos said, hey, you did a great job. 
Do you think you could do 150 of those a day? No, I could barely do one. But to know that that's what these men and women do when they're out there working in the field, and sometimes they're second, third generation hemidors, and then they've got the tractors. Tractors come in, they've got these pinas, they've got to then load them up. Some of these were upwards of 150 to 200 pounds. I mean, massive. They come in all different sizes. Again, they're going for bricks level, not just the bigger they are, the better they are. They are going for maturity with that bricks level. And they were loading them up. Then they go over to a giant truck and they dump them all in the back of this truck. And that truck was already pretty much full. We eventually headed back to the distillery. And as we were going into the distillery, the truck was following us. We got to see it back into the distillery right in front of the ovens there. And they dropped all these agaves. I mean, the guy who opens that door has got to open it and move quick because those agaves are coming out of that truck and they eventually dump the entire thing and there are agaves everywhere. Carlos continued to share with us. He loves sharing about agaves, about tequila. This is a passion, but this is also his life. His family's been in this business for a long time. They have made such an impact on the tequila industry. And so, you know, we got a tour. He gave us an entire tour. They've got their role mill there, which is what Tequila Ocho is using for production for maceration, but they also have a mechanical Tejona, similar to the one that they have at El Pendillo. It's larger. It's got a longer runway. They've not used it yet. I think they're going to experiment with it, see how they want to incorporate it, if they want to incorporate it, but they do have it at their disposal. And then we went up to the fermentation area, a lot of these giant fermentation tanks. This fermentation was just going crazy. I mean, it was moving like crazy. It was giving off so much heat and Carlos continued to just share with us how important fermentation is. From there, we made our way down to distillation. We got to try some tequila ocho right off the still. Man, it was amazing. Warm, green, just agave forward, everything we love about Tequila Ocho. From there, we went to the bottling area. There's an entire team working hard, bottling this. Everything is so efficient how they can make this happen to get bottles into boxes so that it can eventually get on a truck and make its way to California and then throughout the rest of the United States. Now, brand new distillery. It's pretty large. They told us that they are already at max capacity. They're already working on building another side of the distillery so that they can continue to add to production. Tequila, as we know, is super hot right now. And so brands are just trying to keep up to get tequila out. And then Carlos led us to the courtyard. Now, in the courtyard is where they've got some stores. They've got their library of Tequila Ocho where you can go in and you can purchase different tequilas. They have been holding different vintages from years past. Some of the most popular ones they've been holding on to just so they could release in this library. And I'm telling you, the prices are are amazing. They had Puntas for like $60. They had Widow Jane, very cheap. They had single barrel and Yehos. They had all these older vintages. They had those red bottles that are only for the European market that I'm not going to find in the US. Walking through that store, it really just turns into a math problem. Like, how much money am I going to spend here because these prices are so good? Around that same area, they've got the cantina for Tomas Estes. They've got the area for where the restaurant's going to be. And we had a beautiful lunch out there. I got to sit next to Carlos's youngest daughter, Carla, to speak with her and hear about her time at the distillery as she's been working there for a year or so. But again, she has grown up with this. Uh, He's got three daughters there that are all very involved in the company. And to just sit around this giant table, this is what it's about, to break bread, to have a meal, 
to have conversations. Now, we've got great food, we've got great tequila, but it's about people and to hear their stories. So we're there, we're eating. They had a guy there playing music. It was a really great time. And towards the end, Carlos stands up. He said, I've learned in life there's no such thing as a free lunch. He said, you've got about 10 minutes to to wrap up your lunch and then we're putting you to work. We didn't really know what that meant. We knew it was going to be something fun, but we weren't quite sure what that meant. We then go downstairs. Downstairs is their barrel room where they're housing a lot of barrels. There was a lot of Widow Jane. There's going to be a new release of Widow Jane, which I can't wait for. So I got to see those barrels. There are a lot of other barrels that were down there. Exciting to see this barrel room. And then they had this long table and the table was set up with all these place settings of these mini bottles all with flutes and then there's this whiteboard so we knew that we were going to be doing some work and we sit down and carlos said we as a group today are going to pick the blend for the 2023 ocho puntas as well as the abv I mean, how amazing is this? He told us that they were supposed to do this a few weeks prior, but they knew that this group was coming in. So they wanted to wait to allow us to be a part of it. They also invited Grover and Scarlett from Tequila Matchmaker and Remy Newland. So I'm there sitting in between Remy Newland and Grover, two of the titans in this industry. And if you don't know Remy Newland, Man, I've talked about her a lot. The way that she describes tequilas, her palate is so incredible. And as we're sitting there, Carlos, you know, he's telling us about what we're going to do. He then stops and he says, Remy, we would be honored if you would be willing to write the tasting notes, the aroma profile. These notes are going to go on the back of the bottle that it's going to be from Remy. I mean, what an honor for her to be able to do this. And the truth is, there's no one more qualified or deserving than Remy Newland. I can't wait to get that finished bottle and to read her tasting notes. She was already writing down a lot of notes as we were going through the process. So I know that she is up to the challenge. So we get there and we've got five samples. We've got A, B, C, and D. And this is Puntas. This is the cut as it's getting towards the end of the heads, going into the heart. I mean, so much flavor, so much aromas. This is the master's cut. This is usually reserved for the master distiller, for friends and family. But for this Ocho Puntas, they are giving it to us to try. So we had these five samples. A and B were really like the control subjects. A was 71%. That's 142 proof. Think about the flavor, the aromas. Then we had B, which was 64.8, still pretty high. Again, a lot of flavors, a lot of aromas. And then C was a one-to-one blend of A and B. D was a two-to-one blend of A and B. And then E was the complete tequila at 55.8. So what they had us do first was taste each one individually. Man, what a way to wake up your palate than to start off with 71% 
Ocho Puntas. Man, it just punches you in the face with amazing agave. And to just work our way down and to taste all of them. Carlos kept saying, this is a democracy. He's writing all this stuff on the board. We eventually had to proof down all of these. We had to figure out the calculations to get it down to 55%. Legally here in the US, we cannot have it higher than 55%, which is a 110. And so we did have to proof these down. And Carlos is just in his element. I mean, he's he's got his calculator out. He's doing all this math. He's writing it fast on the board. His daughters are going, yeah, just smile and nod. Just, just keep smiling and nod. We're all just sitting around going, I wonder when he's going to realize that this is way over our head. But it continues to speak to the process and the love and care that goes into tequila. When you think about how much time and effort these tequila producers put into these blends, I mean, to just grab a bottle off the shelf, to open it up, to drink it, we usually don't picture someone there at the front end with a calculator and a whiteboard doing equations, but that's what they're doing to figure this out. So we went through all of them. We then voted. Who likes A better? Who likes B best? Who likes C? Who likes D? And Carlos kept saying, this is a democracy. Whichever one has the most votes, that's what we're going to go with. So we did pick one of them. And then he said, now we have to determine the proof. And not just the proof, but we also have E there. What if we take the one that won and then we added some of E to it? We did a 50-50 blend with it and we tried it. It was amazing. We had conversations about it. And Carlos is always asking, well, what if we do this? What if we do this? Well, what if we take X amount of parts of the first one and add it to the second one? And where we ended up was eight parts to the sample that won and two parts to E, the finished tequila. And so we got that. And then from there, we had to figure out what was the ABV. And we did two blends with that, one on the high end at 55. And then we did another one that was a little lower. We voted on that. And it was neat to see who who picked this one or who picked this one. No wrong answers here because everyone's palate is different. And through this entire process, we eventually landed on what we felt was the best representation to release for the 2023 Ocho Puntas. So this is coming out later this year. I can't wait to share it with you. To me personally, to pick up this bottle once it comes out and to hold it and to know that I was in the room and I helped speak into, or at least just be a part of the blend and the ABV. Guys, I'm gonna be honest with you. A couple years ago, I started a podcast and when I started it, I remember thinking, I need two things to happen or this will not succeed. The first thing I need is I need guests that want to be on the show, that are willing to take their time and be on the show. And then I also need an audience that's willing to listen to the show, that finds value in the show. And to think three years later that one, I've had the most amazing guests and I also have the most amazing audience. Every month, the show just gets more and more downloads, more and more listeners. I say this all the time. The value is not me. The value is my guests. And I'm so thankful for the people that listen and for the people that are willing to come on the show. But to be there in that room and to think in just three years, I get to be a part of this. I, I didn't deserve to be there. And to be there with everyone else as we're just having fun doing it. You could tell Carlos is a teacher. He loved it. So finally, they wrote the final formula. I've, I've got it saved on my phone. I've got some of these samples still with me. So if I want to recreate it here at home, I can do so, which is pretty awesome. But they bottled two bottles and they bottled it just in regular Ocho bottles with a label that they just wrote Puntas 2023. And then they said, 
we want each of you to sign the bottle. One of those moments that I will not forget to be a part of that is pretty special. From there, we went to the Tomas Estes Cantina. They had their bartenders there. They made up some really incredible drinks and we were just spending some time hanging out. So from there, we had the long drive back to Guadalajara. And then that night we had a dinner. We went to bar, Matilda Mia Moore, the entire group. Again, just great to be there to talk about the day and, and just how we couldn't believe what we had an opportunity to be a part of. And then we walked back to the hotel, which wasn't too far from the restaurant. And that honestly really ended the Ocho experience. Some people were going off the next day, which was Saturday, going home or going to different areas, maybe Mexico City. We said goodbye to everybody that was leaving and we called it a night. Now, I knew I was going to be there on Saturday and I was trying to figure out what did I want to do on Saturday? Not a whole lot is happening at distilleries, but sometimes there are some things happening at distilleries on Saturdays. And if you listen to the last episode of the podcast, I had John Paul Fortunati from Cascanes on the show. And on that show, we were able to be the first ones to release publicly that they were changing distilleries. And so while I was there knowing that we were going to announce this, we started talking about well, shouldn't we go to the distillery? Wouldn't it be great to go and to tour it and to do a tasting there and to get some content as we're leading up to launching this episode? So throughout this entire time, I'm speaking with Jose. Jose is one of the owners of Cascanes and we're, we're planning this out for Saturday, what we're going to do there. And I first met Jose a few years ago on my first trip. Andy Barden from Wild Commons said, if you need a driver, I've got a great guy. He only drives for people in the industry, but if you need him, he's willing to drive for you. So he was my driver and I got to spend a lot of time with him a few years ago and we really got to know each other. And you fast forward a few years later and he honestly has become one of my best friends. I mean, Saturday night, I actually stayed at his house with his family. This continues to speak to the story that I'm trying to tell about this amazing spirit, the people that are involved in this industry. So Saturday was Jose, myself, Lucas, his wife, Michelle, Rob Gerard joined us, and then John Paul Fortunati, one of the other owners of Cascanes, flew in just for that day to be with us at the distillery. So we're not heading into the valley region. I think it was a Matatan was where this distillery was. This is T-Tap. This is now 1614, a new distillery for me. I had not been there, so I was excited to see this distillery. And the distillery was actually closed, but they opened it just for us. So, I mean, thank you for everyone there for coming out, the workers, to open it for us. And they also had some other people. They invited their master distiller, Don Chico, their chemist, Nestor. We had Julio Cova, who's the master distiller of the entire distillery overseas, some of the other brands that are there. So all of them came out and we got to tour the new home of Cascanes. I'm not going to go too much into it. If you want to know more about the distillery and all the amazing things that Cascanes is going to be able to do, I want to encourage you to listen to the last episode, but it was great to go there, to see it, to take some footage. They've got an amazing tasting room. Behind it is this barrel room that is filled with over 4,000 barrels. When you walk into that room, I had to sign paperwork to be allowed to go into that room, to go into that room and to just smell all of those barrels. It was so incredible. We're walking to the rows of the barrels that just continue to go up and up and up. We get to the section where this is where Cascanes was already storing. They've already got tequila in barrels. We got to taste all the new Blancos, but they do have tequila in barrels and we got to see their section. 
And as we're there, JP said, why don't you go ahead and climb up those barrels? You can totally climb up them. So sure enough, I climbed up the barrels, got to go to the top of them, overlook it. I was a little scared, slowly made my way back down. And then we eventually did make it to the tasting room where they shared with us all three of their new Blancos. Man, Cascanes came from an amazing distillery. And to end up where they were, they spent over 10 months going through everything, testing it. They wanted to make sure that what they're presenting is the same, if not better. And just like I said it on the episode, I think it's better. So I'm excited for, for you guys to try it as Cascanes is starting to launch in the U.S. with the new batch, with the new NOM. So we did the tasting event there. They pulled out some of their other Blancos that are working on that malactic profile that Cascanes is known for. It's a little funky. It's, it's a little cheesy. And it's just full of flavor and it's delicious. And then from there, we started heading back to Guadalajara. Now, Saturday night was the last night for me there. I was going home on Sunday. And anytime I go there, there are a lot of people that I don't get to see. There's a lot of new people that I want to meet. There's a lot of people that I don't get a chance to get to their distilleries. In due time, I will get a chance to go visit all of these distilleries, but I usually do a dinner. I like to do a dinner and really just cast a wide net to reach out to a handful of my friends that I've met over the years and say, hey, come out and have a meal with us. I invite a lot of friends hoping that they will come out. We decided to go back to Bar Matilda Mia Moore. Just a really great place. Rooftop seating, amazing tequila selection, great food. And we had a really awesome dinner. Now, who was there? We had Steve Vera from El Gran Legado de Vida, an amazing brand coming out of Cascoin. Chava, the producer of El Gran Legado and Cascoin, he was there. Jose from Cascanes, Ben Barber. Ben wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it. So glad to see him as I think I missed him the last time. Chad and Christina Allen from Valons were there. We had Gina and Stefan from El Tecaleño. I knew Lucas and Michelle were still in town. So I said, hey guys, why don't you come with us? Come with us to dinner, which they did. Lucas has become a very close friend as he and I are both, you know, content creators, whatever it is you want to call us. We're trying to share our passion for the spirit. So he's someone that I've really connected with as, you know, we're, we're talking pretty much daily about this thing. And a few days prior, Gina reached out to me and she said, hey, earlier in the day, I'm going to be with a new brand, Velour. It's coming out of Casa Atanasio. They're doing a tasting there. And the owner, Christiana, is going to be with me. She she knows the show. She would love to meet you. Is that something that she can come out to? And so I said, yeah, sure. The more, the merrier. So Christiana came out. I got to hear her story. She actually had two samples of Velour. They were still a bean, so they allowed us to try that, which was pretty awesome. She wanted to get our input as this is a new brand and they're still working on that profile. She had a really awesome team with her, Lupe and the other team members. It's always great to meet a new brand owner and to sit with her and ask her what got her into it and tell me about the brand. So I'm excited to see as that launches in the future. But we were there, just had a great time over a few hours. I brought a bottle of Puntas that we brought out the table that people could just sip on. Chad and Christina brought some Valons. We got to try some of that new Velour. And then Stefan brings out a bottle of Still strength El Tecaleño, which I don't know if anyone's had, which was pretty awesome to taste. And we were there. We had a great time. Again, friends hanging out. And then as the night started to end, uh, somebody in the group said, hey, let's go to uh, La Farmacia. There's another a great bar there, Farmacia. We sat out on the patio, a little smaller group there, and we weren't there too long, but it was great to see a, a, another bar restaurant there in Guadalajara. We hung out there for a little bit, and then we decided to call it a night. I knew I had to get up early the next morning, pretty early to catch my flight. Uh, so we said goodbye to everybody, and Jose and I went to his house. I got in pretty late. I got to do that thing that every time when I'm going back home, I've got all my bottle cases. I think this 
this trip, I may have brought back 16 bottles or so. So that suitcase was pretty heavy and I was just trying to fit everything in. I uh, got a few hours of sleep and Sunday morning I was on my way to the airport heading home. And so that was the trip. It was short. It was fast but it was absolutely incredible. And every trip just gets better and better and better. So I want to say to Tequila Ocho, to Carlos, Fanny, Jesse, Laura, everybody involved, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for letting me come and be a part of your world, even if it was for a day and a half. It was special. It was something that I will never forget. And really, what an incredible trip. If you get the opportunity, go visit this distillery. I have people all the time ask me about going to Mexico, going visiting distilleries. I am working on a one-pager that's going to have a lot of tips and tricks and you know transportation contacts and what distilleries that you should go visit and what hotels and all that stuff so I can just give out when somebody asks me. But I want to encourage you to make the trip. A big thanks to the other distilleries I went to. A big thanks to everybody that came out that made time for me. Always great to see friends there. And I have a feeling I'm going to be back a few more times this year. So looking forward to continuing this story about this amazing spirit. We'll be back with a regular episode in two weeks. So thank you for letting me recap this story. I'm telling it to you, but I'm also telling it to myself to remind myself of what an awesome trip this was. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.